Section 49 of Young Folks Treasury, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Young Folks Treasury, Volume 2. Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. A Hero of Germany. Section 49. Siegfried. Parts 1 through 4. Adapted by Mary McGregor. Part 1. Mimer the Blacksmith. Siegfried was born a prince and grew to be a hero, a hero with a heart of gold. Though he could fight and was as strong as any lion, yet he could love too and be as gentle as a child. The father and mother of the hero boy lived in a strong castle near the banks of the great Rhine River. Siegmund, his father, was a rich king. Sieglind, his mother, a beautiful queen, and dearly did they love their little son, Siegfried. The courtiers and the high-born maidens who dwelt in the castle honored the little prince, and thought him the fairest child in all the land, as indeed he was. Sieglind, his queen mother, would oft-times dress her little son in costly garments, and lead him by the hand before the proud, strong men-at-arms who stood before the castle walls. Nought had they but smiles and gentle words for their little prince. When he grew older, Siegfried would ride into the country, yet always would he be attended by King Siegmund's most trusted warriors. Then one day, armed men entered the Netherlands, the country over which King Siegmund ruled, and the little prince was sent away from the castle, lest by any evil chance he should fall into the hands of the foe. Siegfried was hidden away safe in the thickets of a great forest, and dwelt there under the care of a blacksmith named Mimer. Mimer was a dwarf, belonging to a strange race of little folk called Nibelungs. The Nibelungs lived for the most part in a dark little town beneath the ground. Nibelheim was the name of this little town, and many of the tiny men who dwelt there were smiths. All lived long day, they would hammer on their little anvils, but all through the long night they would dance and play with the tiny little Nibelung women. It was not in the little dark town of Nibelung that Mimer had his forge, but under the trees of the great forest to which Siegfried had been sent. As Mimer or his pupils wielded their tools, the wild beast would start from their lair, and the swift birds would wing their flight through the mazes of the wood lest danger lay in those heavy, resounding strokes. But Siegfried, the hero-boy, would laugh for glee, and seizing the heaviest hammer he could see, he would swing it with such force upon the anvil that it would be splintered into a thousand pieces. Then Mimer the blacksmith would scold the lad, who was now the strongest of all the lads under his care. But little heeding his rebukes, Siegfried would fling himself merrily out of the smithy and hasten with great strides into the gladsome wood For now the prince was growing a big lad and his strength was even as the strength of ten Today Siegfried was in a merry mood he would repay Mimer's rebukes in right good fashion He would frighten the little blacksmith dwarf until he was forced to cry for mercy clad in his forest dress of deerskins with his hair as burnished gold blowing around his shoulders, Siegfried wandered away into the depths of the woodland. 
there he seized the silver horn which hung from his girdle and raised it to his lips a long clear note he blew and ere the sound had died away the boy saw a sight which pleased him well here was good prey indeed a bear a great big shaggy bear was peering at him out of a bush and as he gazed the beast opened its jaws and growled a fierce and angry growl not a whit afraid was siegfried quick as lightning he had caught the great creature in his arms and ere it could turn upon him it was muzzled and was being led quietly along toward the smithy mimer was busy at his forge sharpening a sword when siegfried reached the doorway at the sound of laughter the little dwarf raised his head it was the prince who laughed then mimer saw the bear and letting the sword he held drop to the ground with a clang he rang to hide himself in the darkest corner of the smithy then siegfried laughed again he was no hero boy today for next he made the big bear hunt the little nibelung dwarf from corner to corner nor could the frightened little man escape or hide himself in darkness again and again as he crouched in a shadowed corner siegfried would stir up the embers of the forge until all the smithy was lighted with a ruddy glow at length the prince tired of his game and unmuzzling the bear he chased the bewildered beast back into the shelter of the woodland mimer poor little dwarf all a-tremble with his fear cried angrily thou mayest go shoot if so it please thee and bring home thy dead prey dead bears thou mayest bring hither if thou wilt but live bears shalt thou leave to crouch in their lair or to roam through the forest but siegfried the naughty prince only laughed at the little nibelung's frightened face and harsh croaking voice now as the days passed mimer the blacksmith began to wish that siegfried had never come to dwell with him in his smithy the prince was growing too strong too brave to please the little dwarf moreover many were the mischievous tricks his pupil played on him prince though he was mimer would see if he could not get rid of his tormentor for indeed though as i have told you siegfried had a heart of gold at this time the gold seemed to have grown dim and tarnished perhaps that was because the prince had learned to distrust and to dislike nay more to hate the little cunning dwarf however that may be it is certain that siegfried played many pranks upon the little nibelung and he mimer determined to get rid of the quick-tempered strong-handed prince one day therefore it happened that the little dwarf told Siegfried to go deep into the forest to bring home charcoal for the forge and this Mimer did though he knew that in the very part of the forest to which he was sending the lad there dwelt a terrible dragon named Regen. indeed Regen was a brother of the little blacksmith and would be lying in wait for the prince it would be but the work of a moment for the monster to seize the lad and greedily to devour him to Siegfried it was always joy to wander afar through the woodland. Oft-times had he thrown himself down on the soft moss-covered ground, and lain there, hour after hour, listening to the wood-bird's song. Sometimes he would even find a reed, and try to pipe a tune as sweet as did the birds, but that was all in vain, as the lad soon found. No tiny songster would linger to hearken to the shrill piping of his grassy reed, and the prince himself was soon ready to fling it far away it was no hardship then to siegfried to leave the forge and the hated little nibelung 
and therefore it was that with right good will he set out in search of charcoal for Mimer the blacksmith as he loitered there where the trees grew thickest Siegfried took his horn and blew it lustily if he could not pipe on a grassy reed at least he could blow a rousing note on his silver horn suddenly as Siegfried blew the trees seemed to sway the earth to give out fire Regin the dragon had roused himself at the blast and was even now drawing near to the prince It was at the mighty strides of the monster that the trees had seemed to tremble It was as if he opened his terrible jaws that the earth seemed to belch out fire For a little while Siegfried watched the dragon in silence then he laughed aloud and a brave gay laugh it was alone in the forest with the sword buckled to his side the hero was afraid of naught not even of region the ugly monster was sitting now on a little hillock looking down upon the lad his victim as he thought then siegfried called boldly to the dragon i will kill thee for in truth thou art an ugly monster at those words region opened his great jaws and showed his terrible fangs yet still the boy prince mocked at the hideous dragon and now Regan in his fury crept closer and closer to the lad Swinging his great tail until he well-nigh swept Siegfried from his feet Swiftly then the prince drew his sword well-tempered as he knew For had he not himself wrought it on the forge of Mimer the blacksmith? Swiftly he drew his sword and with one bound he sprang upon the dragon's back and as he reared himself down came the hero's shining sword and pierced into the very heart of the monster thus as siegfried leaped nimbly to the ground the dragon fell back dead regan was no longer to be feared then siegfried did a curious thing he had heard the little nibelung men who came to the smithy to talk to mimer he had heard them say that whoever shall bathe in the blood of regan the dragon would henceforth be safe from every foe for his skin would grow so tough and horny that it would be to him as an armor through which no sword could ever pierce thinking of the little nibelung's harsh voices and wrinkled little faces as they had sat talking thus around mimer's glowing forge siegfried now flung aside his deerskin dress and bathed himself from top to toe in the dragon's blood but as he bathed a leaf from off a linden tree was blown upon his shoulders and on the spot where it rested siegfried's skin was still soft and tender as when he was a little child it was only a tiny spot which was covered by the linden leaf but should a spear thrust or an arrow pierce that tiny spot siegfried would be wounded as easily as any other man the dragon was dead the bath was over and clad once more in his deerskin siegfried set out for the smithy he brought no charcoal for the forge all that he carried with him was a heart of fire with anger a sword quivering to take the life of the nibelung mimer for now siegfried knew that the dwarf had wished to send him forth to death when he bade him go seek charcoal in the depths of the forest into the dusky glow of the smithy plunged the hero and swiftly he slew the traitor mimer then gaily for he had but slain evil ones of whom the world was well rid then gaily siegfried fared through the forest in quest of adventure part two siegfried wins the treasure now this is what befell the prince 
In his wanderings he reached the country called Isenland, where the warlike but beautiful Queen Brunhild reigned. He gazed with wonder at her castle, so strong it stood on the edge of the sea, guarded by seven great gates. Her marble palaces also made him marvel, so white they glittered in the sun. But most of all, he marveled at this haughty queen who refused to marry any knight unless he could vanquish her in every contest to which she summoned him. Brunhild, from the castle window, saw the fair face and the strong limbs of the hero, and demanded that he should be brought into her presence, and as a sign of her favor she showed the young prince her magic horse, Ganna. Yet Siegfried had no wish to conquer the warrior queen and gain her hand and her broad dominions for his own. Siegfried thought only of a wonder maiden unknown unseen as yet though in his heart He hid an image of her as he dreamed that she would be It is true that Siegfried had no love for the haughty Brunhild It is also true that he wished to prove to her that he alone was a match for all her boldest warriors and had even power to bewitch her magic steed Ghana if so he willed and steal it from her side and so one day a spirit of mischief urged the prince on to a gay prank as also a wayward spirit urged him no longer to brook queen brunhild's mien before he left isenland therefore siegfried in a merry mood threw to the ground the seven great gates that guarded the queen's strong castle then he called to ganna the magic steed to follow him into the world and this the charger did with a right good will. Whether Siegfried sent Ganna back to Isenland or not, I do not know. But I know that in the days to come, Queen Brunhild never forgave the hero for his daring feat. When the prince had left Isenland, he rode on and on until he came to a great mountain. Here, near a cave, he found two little dwarfish Nibelungs, surrounded by twelve foolish giants. The two little Nibelungs were princes, the giants were their counselors. Now the king of the Nibelungs had but just died in the dark little underground town of Nibelheim, and the two tiny princes were the sons of the dead king. But they had not come to the mountainside to mourn for their royal father. Not so, indeed, had they come, but to divide the great hoard of treasure which the king had bequeathed to them at his death. Already they had begun to quarrel over the treasure and the twelve foolish giants looked on But did not know what to say or do so they did nothing and never spoke at all The dwarfs had themselves carried the hoard out of the cave where it usually was hidden and they had spread it on the mountainside and there it lay gold as far as the eye could see and farther jewels too were there more than twelve wagons could carry away in four days and nights each going three journeys indeed however much you took from this marvelous treasure never did it seem to grow less but more precious even than the gold or the jewels of the hoard was a wonderful sword which it possessed it was named balmung and had been tempered by the nibelungs in their glowing forges underneath the glad green earth before the magic strength of Balmung's stroke, the strongest warrior must fall, nor could his armor save him, however close its links had been welded by some doughty smith. 
as Siegfried rode toward the two little dwarfs they turned and saw him with his bright fair face and flowing locks nimble as little hares they darted to his side and begged that he would come and divide their treasure he should have the good sword balmung as reward they cried siegfried dismounted well pleased to do these ugly little men a kindness but alas ere long the dwarfs began to mock at the hero with their harsh voices and to wag their horrid little heads at him while they screamed in a fury that he was not dividing the treasure as they wished then siegfried grew angry with the tiny princes and seizing the magic sword he cut off their heads the twelve foolish giants also he slew and thus became himself master of the marvelous horde as well of the good sword balmung seven hundred valiant champions hearing the blast of the hero's horn now gathered together to defend the country from this strange young warrior but he vanquished them all and forced them to promise that they would henceforth serve no other lord save him alone and this they did being proud of his great might now tidings of the slaughter of the two tiny princes had reached nibelheim and great was the wrath of the little men and the little women who dwelt in the dark town beneath the earth alberich the mightiest of all the dwarfs gathered together his army of little gnomes to avenge the death of the two dwarf princes and also for alberich was a greedy man to gain for himself the great horde when siegfried saw alberich at the head of his army of little men he laughed aloud and with a light heart he chased them all into the great cave on the mountainside from off the mighty dwarf alberich he stripped his famous cloak of darkness which made him who wore it not only invisible but strong as twelve strong men he snatched also from the dwarf's fingers his wishing rod which was a magic wand and last of all he made alberich and his thousands of tiny warriors take an oath binding them evermore to serve him alone then hiding the treasure in the cave with the seven hundred champions whom he had conquered he left alberich and his army of little men to guard it until he came again and alberich and his dwarfs were faithful to the hero who had shorn them of their treasure and served him for evermore siegfried the magic sword balmung by his side the cloak of darkness thrown over his arm the magic wand in his strong right hand went over the mountain across the plains nor did he tarry until he came again to the castle built on the banks of the river rhine in his own low-lying country of the netherlands part three siegfried comes home the walls of the old castle rang king siegmund his knights and liegemen all were welcoming prince siegfried home they had not seen their hero prince since he had been sent long years before to be under the charge of Mimer, the blacksmith he had grown but more fair more noble they thought as they gazed upon his stalwart limbs his fearless eyes and what tales of prowess clustered around his name already their prince had done great deeds as he had ridden from land to land the king and his liegemen had heard of the slaughter of the terrible dragon of the capture of the great treasure of the defiance of the warlike and beautiful brunhild and they could wish for no more renowned prince than their own prince siegfried thus siegmund and his subjects rejoiced 
that the heir to the throne was once again in his own country in the queen's bower too there was great joy sieglind wept but her tears were not those of sadness sieglind wept for very gladness that her son had come home safe from his wonderful adventures now Siegmund wished to give a great feast in honor of his son it should be on his birthday which was very near the birthday on which the young prince would be twenty-one years of age far and wide throughout the netherlands and unto distant realms tidings of the feast were born kinsmen and strangers lords and ladies all were asked to the banquet in the great castle hall where Siegmund reigned supreme it was the merry month of june when the feast was held and the sun shone bright on maidens in fair raiment on knights in burnished armor siegfried was to be knighted on this june day along with four hundred young squires of his father's realm the prince was clad in gorgeous armor and on the cloak flung around his shoulders jewels were seen to sparkle in the sunlight jewels made fast with gold embroidery worked by the white hands of the queen and her fair damsels in games and merry pastimes the hours of the day sped fast away until the great bell of the minster pealed calling the gay company to the house of god for even song siegfried and the four hundred squires knelt before the altar ere they were knighted by the royal hand of siegmund the king the solemn service ended the new-made knights hastened back to the castle and there in the great hall a mighty tournament was held knights who had grown gray in service tilted with those who but that day had been given the grace of knighthood lances splintered shields fell before the mighty onslaughts of the gallant warriors until king sigmund bade the tilting cease and then in the great hall feasting and song held sway until daylight faded and the stars shone bright yet no weariness knew the merrymakers the next morning and for six long summer days they tilted they sang they feasted when at length the great festival drew to a close siegmund in the presence of his guests gave to his dear son siegfried many lands and strong castles over which he might be lord to all his son's comrades too the king gave steeds and costly raiment while queen sieglind bestowed upon them freely coins of gold such abundant gifts had never before been dreamed of as were thus lavished by siegmund and sieglind on their guests as the rich nobles looked upon the brave young prince siegfried there were some who whispered among themselves that they would fain have him to rule the land siegfried heard their whispers but in no wise did he give heed to the wish of the nobles never he thought while his beautiful mother and his bounteous father lived would he wear the crown indeed siegfried had no wish to sit upon a throne he wished but to subdue the evildoers in the land or better still he wished to go forth in search of new adventure and this right soon he did part four Siegfried at the court of worms at the court of worms in Burgundy dwelt the princess Kriemhild whose fame for beauty and kindness had spread to many a far-off land she lived with her mother Queen Ute 
and her three brothers, King Gunther, King Gernot, and King Giselher. Her father had long been dead. Gunther sat upon the throne, and had for chief counselor his cruel uncle Hagen. One night Kriemhild dreamed that a beautiful wild hawk with feathers of gold came and perched upon her wrist. It grew so tame that she took it with her to the hunt. Upward it soared when loose toward the bright blue sky. Then the dream maiden saw two mighty eagles swoop down upon her petted hawk and tear it to pieces. The princess told her dream to her mother, who said, The hawk, my daughter, is a noble knight who shall be thy husband. But alas, unless God defend him from his foes, thou shalt lose him ere he has long been thine. Kriemhild replied, O lady mother, I wish no knight to woo me from thy side. Nay, said the queen, speak not thus, for God will send to thee a noble knight and strong. Hearing of the princess, Siegfried, who lived in the Netherlands, began to think that she was strangely like the unknown maiden whose image he carried in his heart. And so he set out to go into Burgundy to see the beautiful Kriemhild who had sent many knights away. Siegfried's father wished to send an army with him, but Siegfried said, Nay, give me only, I pray thee, eleven stalwart warriors. Tidings had reached King Gunther of the band of strangers who had so boldly entered the royal city. He sent for Hagen, chief counselor, who said they must needs be princes or ambassadors. One night, the fairest and the boldest is, methinks, the wondrous hero Siegfried, who has won great treasure from the Nibelungs, and has killed two princely dwarfs, their twelve giants, and seven hundred great champions of the neighboring country with his good sword Balmung. Graciously then did the king welcome Siegfried. I beseech thee, noble knight, said the king, tell me why thou hast journeyed to this our royal city. Now Siegfried was not ready to speak of the fair princess, so he told the king that he had come to see the splendor of the court and to do great deeds, even to wrest from him the broad realm of Burgundy and likewise all his castles. Unless thou dost conquer me, I shall rule in my great might in this realm. We do well to be angry at the words of this bold stripling, said Hagen. A quarrel arose, but King Gernot. Gunther's brother made peace, and Siegfried began to think of the wonder lady of his dreams, and grew ashamed of his boasting. Then all Burgundy began to hear of Siegfried. At the end of the year, Burgundy was threatened with invasion. King Ludegast and King Ludiger threatened mighty wars. When Siegfried heard of this, he said, If trouble hath come to thee, my arm is strong to bring thee aid. If thy foes were as many as thirty thousand, yet with one thousand warriors would I destroy them. Therefore leave the battle in my hands. When the rude kings heard that Siegfried would fight for Burgundy, their hearts failed for fear, and in great haste they gathered their armies. King Gunther, meanwhile, had assembled his men, and the chief command was given to Hagen. But Siegfried rode forward to seek the foe. In advance of their warriors stood Ludegast and Ludiger, ready for the fray. Grasping his good sword Balmung, Siegfried first met Ludegast, piercing him through his steel harness with an ugly thrust till he lay helpless at his feet. 
thirty of the king's warriors rode up and beset the hero but siegfried slaughtered all save one he was spared to carry the dire tidings of the capture of ludegast to his army ludeger had seen the capture of his brother and met the onslaught that siegfried soon made upon him but with a great blow siegfried struck the shield from ludeger's hold and in a moment more he had him at his mercy for the second time that day the prince was victor over a king when uta the mother of Kriemhild heard that a grand festival celebrating the prowess of Prince Siegfried was to be held at court. She made up her mind that she and her daughter would lend their gracious presence. Many noble guests were there gathered, and when the knights entered the lists, the king sent a hundred of his liegemen to bring the queen and the princess to the great hall. When Siegfried saw the princess, he knew that she was indeed more beautiful than he had ever dreamed. A messenger was sent by the king, bidding him greet the princess. Be welcome here, Sir Siegfried, for thou art a good and noble knight, said the maiden softly, for right well hast thou served my royal brother. Thee will I serve for ever, cried the happy hero. Thee will I serve for ever and thy wishes shall ever be my will. Then for twelve glad days were Siegfried and Kriemhild oft-times side by side. End of Siegfried, Part 4